This is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your host, Rob Hessler. Welcome to Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. This is an hour-long interview show dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts. On this week's episode, we've got two long-form field notes. First, we spoke with Carmen Aguirre, artist and gallery director at Grand Bohemian Gallery about the work that she's doing during the shelter-in-place order, including her role in the recent exhibition at Roots Up Gallery, Still Standing, the Resiliency of Humans and Nature, which out of necessity was moved online. Plus, we spoke with Harry DeLorme. He too is an artist, and he's the senior curator of education at Telfair Museums. His work has dealt with environmental issues for over 30 years, and we spoke to him about his role as an artist, as well as what he's been up to with Telfair Museums. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here's your host, Rob Hessler. And this is Rob Hessler here. And if you're listening to the live show, it is Wednesday at 3 o'clock here in Savannah on WRUU 107.5 FM. Or maybe you're streaming us outside of Savannah at WRUU.org. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you listening in today. And of course, we've got a great show lined up. As I mentioned, Carmen Aguirre and Harry DeLorme, two long-form field notes that I spoke with them over the last couple of weeks together. And uh, both of them are really interesting. They serve, you know, dual roles, both of them. Uh, Both are artists, of course, first and foremost. And I talked a lot with both of them about their artwork. But also both of them serve in roles in galleries and museums. Carmen, of course, over at Grand Bohemian Gallery. And that was a really interesting conversation because, you know, last time that you heard from Carmen here on Art on the Air, I spoke with her and Jose Ray about Jose's exhibition Pollen over there at Grand Bohemian Gallery. And it wasn't too long after that everything was shut down here in Savannah as part of the shelter in place order. And of course, as a part of that, and I mentioned this in the intro, is that Carmen was due to have an exhibition open, a three-person exhibition over at Roots Up Gallery called Still Standing, The Resiliency of Humans and Nature. And if you listen to last week's episode, you heard me talk with Leslie Lovell of Roots Up, and we talked a little bit about that exhibition. But it was great to talk to Carmen about how that all went down, how they decided to move to an online exhibition, and how she's been feeling about that, both as an artist and then as a gallery director, and sort of how things are going to operate going forward 
a bit of a move to online and all of that, which I think is an interesting topic for all of us to sort of discuss. And then, of course, you know, talking about Harry DeLorme, he is a wonderful artist, and you might have seen his work most recently at the Reclaimed exhibition over at Sulphur Studios. I really loved his pieces. In fact, one of them won Best in Show at that exhibition, and there was a lot of good work there, so that was a great show. And, of course, I actually ended up covering that here at Art on the Air. We had Lisa Watson and Jessica Lee Libos in the studio to talk about that exhibition a couple of months back, and that was a... That was a great conversation, and you can find that actually in the archives at wruu.org. You can find that as well as many other shows if you're looking for something to binge. You can listen to, I think it goes back 10 episodes of Art on the Air, so you know you can listen into the 10 most recent episodes. I just updated that actually. So, But anyway, yeah, Harry, of course, won Best in Show at that exhibition, and then But he's been working on environmental art for 30 plus years and it was interesting during the conversation it came up about how in the 90s he was doing paintings of people doing normal everyday activities in hazmat suits. Uh, But we also talked a lot about his current work and of course everything that he's doing at the Telfair they have a really robust online program going right now so you can hear all about that in my interview with Harry. So Anyway, without further ado, I think let's get started with the episode today. We're going to start with Carmen first, and we'll go through all of that. I'll play a couple of messages at the mid-show break. I'll come back on and chat a bit more to give you a little bit of intro to Harry, and then we will play that to end the show. Both are 20 minutes plus, so I think you're really going to enjoy getting some real meat out of these couple of interviews. And again, you're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Thank you for tuning in. Here is Carmen Aguirre. Rob Hester here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am on the phone with Carmen Aguirre, artist and gallery director over at Grand Bohemian Gallery here in Savannah. Carmen, let's jump right in because I wanted to talk to you, well, for a couple of reasons, but one of the big things is that, you know, a little over a month ago, we were all kind of getting ramped up and excited about your upcoming three-person exhibition over at Roots Up Gallery, still standing the resiliency of humans and nature. And then everything changed over the course of just a couple of days and so let's just talk a little bit about that exhibition because leslie lovell who i spoke to recently ended up doing something a little bit unique with that exhibition but talk about that experience because obviously you you work for so long on a project and then all of a sudden you know kind of has a a major change so talk a little bit about that so it was Oh, God, it, it was really, I mean, Leslie's done an amazing job, and she has been in touch with us, and the whole project just started morphing as things started to develop, and I remember having a talk with, with Leslie, and she understood the same thing, too, that we were going to that artists and gallery directors and owners and curators were going to be experiencing something that actually maybe we were going to be doing later on down the road, and that is jumping into the virtual shows and openings and things like that. And Leslie just immediately jumped into 
it on their own. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. So this was, and I'm talking in a matter of, uh, in a matter of days, it came to like, we are going to still have the show. We're going to still hang the show. And we will just do it all online virtually and let's see how it goes. And it, it actually went very well. And it's gone very, very well. So it was an interesting experience. Talk about resiliency, the change that we had to so quickly do in direction is resiliency, you know, that we all have and we all showed as to not, you know, not feeling drowned of survival. You know, that's how it happened. It's so interesting Mm -hmm. because, well, first of all, the event was actually pretty cool. I, Leslie, created an online event with Roots Up Gallery for an actual opening. So, you know, I went over to the website during the opening time and went through the images and there was a little bit of text with each of the images from you, Kim Corcoran, and then of course, Leslie Lovell, who was the third Mm -hmm. artist as well as the curator for the show. And that was really interesting. But what I also found kind of fascinating was the very nature of the show itself being the resiliency of humans in nature. And it came about in response to Hurricane Dorian coming through Savannah, which was, of course, another mm-hmm. natural disaster. I just think it's just really an interesting coincidence. Oh, it was because in its first, you know, in its first baby moment, talking about the show, doing the show, Jackie talked about it was. It was, you know, about the hurricane, and then it was about the resiliency of, you know, of character and and all of this. And then the pandemic comes about, and you're realizing that the word resiliency has a stronger meaning than than now. I mean, the coincidence was, was it a coincidence? I mean, you know, it it, it is, even to this morning, Anticipating your football, I was thinking, boy, it it resonates so much more now because while we're closed up at home, I'm looking at life going on like normal. You know, the birds I've got to have outside my window. I'm looking back how it had a cardinal net, and the, you know the the, the two parents are there feeding their kids, and they're going on like you know like nothing. So. Well, that's such a good point you bring up because, so we have this, you know, you mentioned the birds. We have this cat that we take care of. That's an outdoor cat. And we, every day we, we feed this cat. Um, her name is Torty and we kind of take care of her, but she doesn't live in our house. She's a, she's a stray cat that lives out on the street that we just feed and care for. And if, you know, if something happens to her, we'll take her to the vet or whatever. But it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, she doesn't care. I mean, she has no idea. And it's different than, like, when we have a storm or a hurricane or, you know, something like that. Because you can't see it. So, like, you look outside the door and everything kind of looks normal. Like, it looks like everything is perfectly okay. And then Mm -hmm. if you manage, you know, if you go, I don't know, for my own experience, like myself and my wife Gretchen and and our son Lincoln will go out for a walk. And then you start seeing somebody coming down the street and it's like, uh uh-oh. I got to avoid that person. And there's just that. And that's when the change occurs. It's like, but looking out the window, it's not obvious like a storm would be or something like that. I mean, you can't see these little virus molecules floating around. So you're dealing with something that you can't see until, you know, if it unfortunately infects you. And 
here I think we're, you know, going back to the word resiliency, you see the resiliency in people. We're navigating through something, number one, a virus that we can't see, and we're a situation that is totally new to us, and we're finding ways to survive and to live through it. In some ways, I've been very creative, so as not to go bonkers while you're closed up and to take advantage of the situation that you are in. You have no choice. so interesting you know i will say this and i kind of have been going through a process on my own here and i think all of us have is in how we deal with this and when this you know first started happening and i i'm a worker you know i mean i'm always i've always got things going on i fill in every moment of my day with with doing one project or another and you know whether that be art or whether that be you know writing or whether that be you know, even working in the art or whatever it might be. But I think a huge part of my existence was, you know, being a part of this Savannah art community and going to art openings and being around. I mean, you know, you and I are friends and I, it was only a few weeks ago that I went to Grand Bohemian Gallery and met with mm-hmm. you and Jose and, Jose? you know, yeah. we did an interview, but we were also just hanging out like friends and joking around. And I mean, you live three blocks away from me and I, we can't, you know, we're doing this interview over the phone, and I have found it to be more and more difficult, I think, as time has gone on to just sort of feel, because we don't even know when this is going to end. I mean, I don't know if we've hit the peak or, you know, what the situation is. And so it's not only adapting to what has happened, but it's a, for me at least, it's adapting to the sort of psychological changes that, like at least for me, that I've been going through as the days and weeks continue on because it is really strange not to see people like you in person on a regular basis. Oh, gosh. Not to be able to say to somebody when the day is done, hey, come on over and we'll have something outside or we'll we'll cook dinner or, or, you know, let's have a drink or, or what you can't, you know. So you're doing all of this. You're using Zoom, you're using, you know, FaceTime, you're using, you know, all of these things, and they do help, but they're not, it's not the same as to have that physical contact of that hug, hello, or that hug, you know, or that hug goodbye. I'm going through some of the several things that you are, too. I do not unwind very easily. It takes me quite some time over a week or so, to really start unwinding. And so we closed the gallery on the 20th of March, 
I still haven't unwound. I'm still because I'm so you're so programmed that you've got something to do that you've got you know you've got a deadline that you've got a this that you've got a that that to just simply sit back and say there's not it's out of my hands and relax. Boy, that's a learning experience for me right now. I mean, that is a real learning experience for me right now. So, you know, I'm finding, you know, I'm inventing projects simply because I'm still not comfortable just sitting down and relaxing in the backyard and taking and taking it in. And maybe there's a lot to be said for that learning experience. And I hope that by the time this is all done, I will have relearned to live. You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Oh, that's a really powerful statement that you just said there. I do want to talk about the gallery, but I, I want to, let's talk about some of those projects because, you know, I know in a lot of ways you're like me in that, you know, we have these other and a lot of artists are like this. We have these other jobs that we mm-hmm. that we do in order to sustain, you know, to pay the bills. And yeah. then yeah, we absolutely. and so we don't have the opportunity. It's not like we're sitting at home just enjoying our life making art all day long. You know, we have we essentially have a second job that we do mm-hmm. outside of our day job, you know, that is making art. And now, of course, we all have a little bit of extra time. And you mentioned the gallery just having closed at the end of March, and you're looking for new projects. What are you doing? Actually, it, it, it is a project that I have been thinking of. And it started, it came to mind about two years ago. And I've sort of been putting it off, putting it off, and putting it off because it's not an easy project emotionally. And finally, the last painting that I did for the show is a painting called Venus on Plant Concourse. And for those who haven't read about about that, Venus on Grand Concourse. Grand Concourse is the street that I was born in, and it is where my family's home is. My parents bought the home in 1953. And we still, at this moment, own it. The last time that I was there was years ago. I never expected that I would not be going back to it. I, In fact, I had been thinking to myself, maybe at the end of April, I'll go down, you know, I'll take some time off and I'll go down for a week and, you know, help clear it out and, and this and that. And it turns out that we have a contract on the house. The closing is in May, at the beginning of May, I will not be able to walk through those rooms again one last time, which I always thought I would, you know. It, it was the only home my parents had, and I always thought that I would go back and, in all homes that I have had in school, I've always done the final walkthrough, and it's always been really nice because the homes have in their silence, so to say, said to me, you know, it's okay, move on, you know, your, your time here is, is done, and I sort of wanted that last feeling of my childhood home, and it's not going to happen because of the circumstances. So that painting was hard for me because I never imagined that I would not be going back there. And if I do go back there, I can't go into the house anymore. But it 
has allowed me to go into my other projects that I have been avoiding and I'm going to face. And I may have mentioned this to you, not those little things that keep in drawers, things that you keep, and they might be silly things, but it's those things that trigger a memory, maybe a childhood memory, maybe the memory of a grandparent or your, or your, you know, your parent or a friend or a moment in time. And they're silly things, maybe, and usually have no monetary value to them at all, except that they trigger that memory that can't have a number put onto it. And as we started to clear out my childhood home, and my parents were collectors and things like that, and I guess we are all too. I wanted to do something with these with these little things that I have kept, or some of the little things that I brought back with me, and do something with them. The things that we, the things we keep. I said when my time comes and my daughter shows through my doors, they'll probably open it up and say, "What was mommy thinking when she kept this? <laughs> what is this?" Because they won't understand. I understand. But they won't understand. And that's what I'm going to work on. And if I cry my eyeballs out here and my eyes are all swollen, I don't have to worry about anybody seeing me. And it's something I need to go through. That's so funny. You know, and I, I, you did tell me about that, but I'm glad that you told our listening audience that because uh, I'm glad to have that on the air. And I did just want to quickly mention, too, if people would like to see Venus over Grand Concourse, they can go to rootsupgallery.com and click on the exhibition there and you'll be able to see that piece. And for those who know Carmen's work, this is a very, it's a very different piece. It's a lot of dark tones. It's at night and, you know, it's got lamps illuminating the area. And uh, and so it's a, it's quite a departure from your ordinary work. But yeah, I, I love the I love that idea, that concept. And yeah, like you said, it's, well, I mean, now you've got, you've certainly got some time, but although I will say, you know, for me, whenever I've done those difficult emotional projects and stuff, one of the things that was always nice was that I could work on it during the day and then in the evening get together with friends and kind of just rebound a little bit. And we don't have that, you know? I mean, that's like, (laughs) that's quite an undertaking to do, you know. Or have the feedback. I would sometimes people would either I would show them maybe the photographs of it because I constantly photograph my work and then later on at night look at it again to see how it reads in in a photograph because sometimes you can see better things that you can't see initially up front you can see it I can see it quickly in a photograph but it's it's not like the same thing because I can't show them the photograph and then talk to them face to face and explain to them and this and that, you know, there's only so much you can type in a text. So that's feedback. So this is going to be done really without any feedback. Mm, That's interesting. You know, I want to shift gears a little bit over to your other life as curator at Grand Bohemian Gallery because, you know, as I mentioned, I had interviewed you and Jose together about Jose's exhibition there over at the gallery and Jose's of course was the first in the this year's incarnation of the Savannah series and you had Stacy Jean Albano coming up next and actually I saw Stacy's one of our neighbors as well I saw her riding her bike the other day out front and we had a mm-hmm. short conversation actually my wife and I were making sidewalk art and we saw Stacy out there. Yeah, obviously that's that's been postponed now, that exhibition and everything is closed yeah. down. And so 
I mean, I'm just sort of curious about your thoughts because I've spoken now with Leslie Lovell and Peter Roberts, both other curators in town here, and Susan Laney actually as well, and had some conversations about their feelings and thoughts about, you know, we have, and I think, you know, in, uh, to a certain extent we overlap here is that, you know, with the radio show, I take a, a great deal of responsibility in helping other artists to achieve their goals and, and to succeed with what I can do with my little radio show here and writing for Do Savannah. And I know that you take that very seriously too, you know, with the opportunity to help Savannah artists, particularly with this mm-hmm. Savannah series. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. I mean, you're, you know, run a gallery that can't be open right now. Yeah, I, I think one of the differences or frustrations right now for me is that I don't own the gallery. I run a gallery that is part of a corporation. And I think that a lot of gallery directors that, you know, that are part of this, you know, feel the same frustration. We can't just, there are things that we ourselves can't do because the hotel has been closed. And for really very good reasons and, and, and responsible reasons. And so the gallery is closed, but we can't just go in there and say, well, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. I have to wait till the moment comes when the hotel feels that it's safe enough to, to reopen. And honestly, you know, nobody knows that. This is a time where, you know, if anybody knows about sailing and you have to act in the wind, companies and businesses are going to have to, you know, adjust their sales, meaning wind sales, not, not, not monetary sales, as to what to do and what's going to happen. And I know that there are some small businesses here in Savannah that are having a very difficult time because they've had to close. They're not essential. they have to close, yet they have rent to pay. And not all landlords are being real nice about this. I do understand, Van Johnson has said, you know, they can't obligate anybody, a landlord, you know, to do things because that's separate. And to remember that they have to pay their mortgages too, but we're all going through difficult times and unknown times. Big businesses, small businesses, and as a gallery director and curator, it is frustrating to to me not to be able to do anything. The one thing you just said there, and I think this is really important to repeat, and Peter Roberts said it when I talked to him as well, is that we are all going through difficult times, and although we can't see each other, it's important to remember that we're all going through these difficult times together. Oh, yeah. No, we're all, we're all experiencing, regardless of where it is that you work, we're all experiencing the same thing, and, you know, it's, and there's just some things that, that we're going to go through, and it's, you know, what can I say? When I think of people who are, you know, rent, mortgage, just whatnot, and, you know, how do you, how do you face that? Those are, those are other things that I think about, not just, you know, I can't see you or we can't get together or this and that. I think about the, the really, really, really part of everyday life. It is how do you face your rent? How do you face your mortgage? You know, the artists in particular, they were doing sometimes two or three jobs besides their artwork. You know, the only thing they can rely on sort of right now is, is their artwork and how much is, of that is, is, is moving. And, you know, how creative can you, you know, are you being or can you be? 
to to try to show it or get it moving. It's a difficult time, and you know, as an artist, plugging away, be creative, use all of your resources. We're all going through this together. Stay in touch. Everybody, stay in touch. Even though we can't touch each other, we need you know we need the human contact. You know, the phone call, the text. If you don't want to do the phone call, the hey, how are you doing? You know, that little reminder that we are, you know, that we're we're here and we're together. Most importantly, that you're not alone. Carmen Aguirre, thank you so much for being on Art on the Airfield Notes today. Thank you, Rob. You take care. You and Lincoln and Gretchen, take care. The Deep Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, was founded in 2008 to address the detrimental effects of poverty on literacy in Savannah. During its first year, Deep hosted free writing workshops for 24 kids from two local public schools and published one anthology. Since then, nearly 2,450 kids have each enjoyed a fully funded scholarship to our three-month-long writing program and have been published in a book. More information is available at deepkids.org. You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. WRUU 107.5 FM is a new and different, listener-supported, and all-volunteer community radio station for Savannah. Our diverse broadcast and web programming is supported by generous listeners who value our passion and spunk. We are independent of other media and receive no government or large corporate support. People like you are the largest and most important source of our funding. Go to WRUU.org to find out how you can make a one-time or monthly contribution. Thank you. Now you have a chance to support both Savannah Independent Artists and WRUU during this shelter-in-place order to stop the spread of COVID-19. Creatives in Need is a group of independent artists hosted by the Roots Up Gallery, which is collaborating with WRUU during this shelter-in-place to offer an online art gallery at www.rootsupgallery.com. For every work of art sold at this online gallery, the artists receive 80% from the sales and 20% goes to WRUU and its programs like Art on the Air. Interested listeners can go to www.rootsupgallery.com to start shopping today. And before those messages, that was my interview with Carmen Aguirre artist and curator over at Grand Bohemian Gallery. I just love talking to Carmen. You know, she's a friend of mine as well as somebody who I think does a lot of great work and I've been able to sort of talk with her a bunch over the last couple of years since she took over over at Grand Bohemian Gallery and I just really love what she's doing. You know, Grand Bohemian really didn't show local artists too much until the last couple of years when Carmen really pushed for the Savannah series of artists and last year she had Julia Christian and she had a really wonderful exhibition of Heather Young's work and a great group show about architecture in Savannah. And then of course this year Jose Ray, and it was supposed to be Stacy Jean Albano coming up next. I don't know what the status is of that exhibition at this point, but point is, is that Carmen is really pushing to get Savannah artists in that space, and that's really great for for Savannah. So glad to talk with her, and 
course, I just, you know, she's just a great person to talk to as well. So anyway, I've got another interview here coming up with Harry DeLorme. And uh, Harry, again, is a is an artist um, and curator. And Harry, I got to give a lot of credit to. Harry was one of the very first guests on Art on the Air a few years back. He came on to talk about Pulse, the yearly digital art event that is held over at Telfair Museums. And, you know, back then it was really hard to get guests to come on on the air. Nobody knew who we were and come on the show on Wednesday at three o'clock. It was a little bit more difficult than it is these days. And um, and Harry was one of, was a, was a great person to have on and he was very generous with his time. But at that point, we really talked mostly about his curatorial work this interview, I really focused a lot on his personal artwork, which I think is just absolutely tremendous. I think he's doing something really interesting, something really well-developed. Mostly, we talked about how he's been collecting trash from the McQueen's Island Trail, which is part of the Rails Trails program here along Route 80. And he has been collecting trash and making artwork out of the plastic that he's collected. And, and he's really started on this about in 2011. So it's been almost a decade that he's been doing this. But the recent works are just staggeringly beautiful and have a really great message. And I think that it's great that we were finally able to get him on to talk about his artwork and not just his curatorial work. Although we did talk a lot about what he's been doing for Telfair as senior curator of education. So without further ado, let's get into my discussion with Harry DeLorme, artist and curator. Here he is. And again, thanks for tuning into Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Here's Harry DeLorme. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am speaking by phone with Harry DeLorme, artist and senior curator of education at Telfair Museums. Harry, before we get started in talking about what you've been doing artistically and what you've been doing at the Telfair, I just wanted to check in. How are you holding up with this whole shelter-in-place order? Uh, we're doing pretty well. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to be home with uh, my wife and my son, who... Uh, was here uh, initially for spring break, and now he's here <laughs> for the duration. I think working remotely on his on his PhD and trying to teach remotely, and my wife is trying to teach remotely, and I'm working working remotely. So uh, we're all having to get used to being in the same house. But yeah, but it's you know we're we're managing. It's it's just you know uh, like everyone else. It's you know it's a time that that no one's seen before, uh, and uh, just trying to figure out how to navigate navigate this situation yeah and i'll just mention of course your wife is rachel green who is a fantastic artist in and of herself and let's dive into your artwork actually because i've been wanting to talk to you and i mentioned this when i sent you an email to reach out is that you recently some of your works were seen by a lot of people around town at the reclaimed exhibition a group show over at sulfur studios that was very well attended and of course Congratulations are in order. Your one of your pieces won best in show at that exhibition. And I kind of wanted to just sort of talk about your work in general and sort of how it might relate to what's going on right now because your work has it definitely is impacted by the environmental issues that we're dealing with locally and globally. And I kind of just wanted first of all just talk a little bit about your work and where your work comes from. And then I want to talk a little bit about 
what's going on right now. But first, just kind of give our listening audience a little bit of information about you and your work. Uh, sure. I basically uh, went to uh, went to grad school at UGA where I got a degree in drawing and painting. And uh, while I was there, I started doing some uh, pieces that were uh, sort of social critiques, you know, sort of figurative paintings of these sort of masked characters. And by the late 80s, I was getting involved with environmental issues. I think we had got involved with Greenpeace at that point, and I started to reflect environmental environmental issues and the work that I was doing, and starting to look at things like climate climate change, but also there's a lot of concern around uh, nuclear waste, um, Savannah River site, and uh, was in the news um, during that time, and in the 90s, I guess, I was doing paintings of people dressed in hazmat suits, <laughs> which now seems like that's something that, that that's, you know, could be a, a, a thing again, you know, maybe it would be a, a, you know, a way of life that you have to, you know, we're already seeing that people are having to wear protective gear to, to go, you know, grocery shopping. And so, so I was doing some paintings in the, the 90s like that, and, you know, folks in hazmat suits, you know, you know, playing tennis or going for a walk outside, that sort of thing. So, uh, Just about those hazmat suits, I, you know, you mentioned that to me in email form last week, and I, and it was funny because I was on a news website, and they had, like, you know, they, they have all the different sections of news, and one of them in their lifestyle column was, it was talking about the actress Jennifer Garner's wardrobe, and it was talking about her shoes, and they had this picture of her and her wardrobe and she was wearing you know a protective mask because they took pictures of her while she was out walking around in Los Angeles and she has this protective mask and the article didn't talk at the very end it says oh and she's practicing safe social distancing and stuff but it was just like so interesting it's like oh here's just this piece about fashion and she's wearing this mask almost as like is this already normal yeah right yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder, you know, depending on how long this goes on, I mean, we're already seeing this sort of change in the way the way we appear when we go out, you know, that's a necessity. But you're also seeing people, you know, still trying to be creative with it, having fun with it, you know, in terms of, of designing their masks. Rachel, my wife, is, you know, working with her students. They're designing designing masks, you know, as part of a, a fiber arts project. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that people find a way of being creative, even in terrible times and you know that's that's a way of coping with it you know Mm. well let's talk about your more recent work because you know for our listening audience some of them might have seen the recent works that i mentioned in the reclaimed exhibition which from what i understand were were very meticulously collected over the course of a long period of time the, the the pieces that you use to create your work so talk a little bit about your recent work yeah, well, you know, I've been painting in acrylic for many years, and but I've also been using found objects, you know, going back, you know, thirty some odd years to my work. So, so the, using found objects really wasn't anything new. I guess you know what what really changed things for me was you know going out. You know, for years I went and walked or rode my bike on McQueen's Island Trail. You know, the Rails to Trails project, um, going out on US eighty, and, um, and you know, typically I would ride my bike there and. One day, Rachel and I went out there just for a walk and, and, you know, took our time a little more than usual. And I started noticing pieces of plastic just sort of littering, you know, the ground and, you know, or, you know spread amongst the, the marsh grass and, and uh, 
lapping up in the water at the water's edge, at the edge of the river, and just kind of being shocked, uh, you know, and, and I was thinking about these things already, thinking about these kinds of issues, so I started collecting these pieces, and, and you know, I would go out to the trail and take a backpack, and I would photograph the, these deposits of plastic, and, you know, and fill up a backpack and bring it home and wash it and sort it out, and then, you know, over over the period of a, a year or two, I really tried to you know, figure out what I was doing with these these pieces of plastic that I was recovering. And, you know, this is a, a time when the alarm bell was, you know, finally ringing, you know, about the problem of ocean plastic, of, of plastic in general. You know, so, so it, it evolved from there, I guess. And I began to glue those pieces of plastic to uh, into the form of objects. You know, I started off making things that were kind of functional, like I would take, for example, cigarette lighters. I made a lamp out of them. <laughs> you know, new light out of lighters. Uh, I took, uh, you know, pieces of you know, old milk crates and, and uh, coolers and made them into a, you know, a bench and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, to other pieces into clocks. I took, you know, motor oil bottles and made them into clocks. So it's just kind of getting a feel for working with that material. And eventually I started to arrange them uh, into abstract compositions initially, uh, just looking at kind of a spectrum of colors. I was just sort of surprised at, you know, how vibrant the, these colors still work. It's plastic, which was, you know, was just right there on the riverbank. So so from there, um, I kind of went back to really kind of where, where I started, which was with uh, painting. Uh, and I was documenting all, all the time what I was doing, you know, going to the site, picking up plastic, taking a picture of a location. So I began doing uh, paintings of the locations that I visited, you know, in different times of day, you know, sunset, and so on. And I would do an acrylic painting on a panel, and then I began to match the plastic I was finding to to the painting. You know, basically fill up the, the painting, cover up the entire painting eventually with these pieces of plastic I found, matching, you know, gestures, you know, to the shape of the plastic piece or textures, you know, for example, combs that I would find became, you know, grass, marsh grass, for example. So so eventually I covered the entire painting. So in a way I'm sort of destroying my own work <laughs> by <laughs> covering with plastic. But in a way I saw that as, you know, I saw that as sort of kind of a, a metaphor for what's happening out there, that, you know, it's a beautiful landscape, but if you look at it closely, you know, it's kind of poisoned, you know, with this uh, material that we dump there. So the work that I'm doing, I think, kind of reflects what I'm actually seeing. Well, and I think the whole, that whole thing, it all works so well together because as an artist, you're making something which is very impactful. First of all, it's beautiful. So you see the work and you're inclined to take a closer look. And then obviously you're drawn into the work and you see what's actually going on. So there's a really powerful message. And then just as an environmentalist, you're literally cleaning up trash while you're going out there. So you're leaving the place better than it was when you got there, which is kind of a, it's a very traditional way to do environmentalism, you know, just walking around and picking up trash as you go. I mean, I think it really works. It works really well. I mean, the whole the whole concept of it works really well together. And I think it was obviously deserved as best in show. We did cover that. I actually did cover that exhibition for Do Savannah. And I was really amazed at how well attended that exhibition was where those landscape paintings, I guess you might call them, assemblages. I'm not really sure how to, how do you term the pieces? I, I still think of them as paintings, basically, because I'm using, you know, very similar techniques when I'm arranging the plastic, you know, and I'm looking at, 
you know, gradations of color, and, you know, uh, I use, you know, maybe a, a faded, <laughs> faded colors, things that are weathered more to blend, you know, that sort of thing. So it's really very much a painting, and there's a painting, there's a real painting, or a, a you know, something like a painting underneath it anyway. So, yeah, I, I think of those paintings, but, um, no, that was, it was a great show, and um, uh, Lisa Watson did a fantastic um, job. I'm a great admirer of her work as well. Yeah, there, there was some really fantastic artists in that exhibition. I don't want to, you know, at this point, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and there is, I don't want to speculate too much here on on things, but, you know, I think that when you look at the area from where this virus originated, and you look at the way that animals are treated in that area, and, you know, I don't want to say that this is, you know, I, there's lots of reasons why these kind of things spring up. So I'm not just saying that this is an environmental issue, but I do think that there is an environmental component to the situation that we're currently ex- experiencing. And I wonder if you've thought about that at all as somebody who has been steeped in doing work that, you know, takes the environment into account for, I don't know, 30 plus years now. I wonder if you've thought at all about that, or if you've reflected at all on, you know, what got us into the situation we're in right now? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if you're thinking about climate change, there, there are so many different, you know, ripple effects, you know, that, that, that come from it, you know, whether it's, you know, this, you know, increase in the hurricanes that we're seeing, you know, I don't ever remember, you know, evacuating, you know, year after year as a child right. growing up in Savannah. I mean, this is, that's a relatively new thing, right, new thing that, that we, you know, we didn't see previously in our lives. And yeah, I think there's all of these ripple effects that are coming from climate change, from, uh, from you know, what, what we've done to the environment. And, you know, it, it certainly, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be surprising that we might see a, a rise in infectious diseases coming from various parts of the world as, you know, you know, habitats are cleared, you know, some species come into more contact with humans than they have in the past. I don't really know, but um, but I think that, uh, to me, it's not surprising that this would be another one of these ripple effects of, of climate change. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something something to think about when we have time to think <laughs> as, we're, as we're, again, trying to figure out how to live in this new world. But the worry is there that, um, obviously, that um, this may only be the start, you know, and, and you know, we're really going to have to be prepared to live in this kind of new world where these things may happen with more frequency. Yeah, it's, it's disturbing. On the other hand, you know, maybe one of the only silver linings I can see in, in the current situation is that maybe there's a little bit of break in the, the carbon emissions that are going out there at the moment. But yeah, obviously, I think as a species, we need to find longer term solutions to all of this. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, that has been something that's been really interesting. I was looking at a news story yesterday that was showing pictures of uh, Mumbai and what the city looked like prior to the lockdown versus what it looks like now with in terms of smog and, you know, fine particles in the air. And it looks like a totally different place. And I know that emissions had gone way down in China and in other places because of the shelter-in-place order. And, of course, everybody's probably heard of how in the canals of Venice you could see the water was clear because, you know, there weren't all these boats and all of this pollution going into the water there and the dolphins in the water and, and all of that. And, 
when things like this happen, I always I was I've been reflecting a lot on nine eleven and the way that things felt right after nine eleven, where we really felt unified and kind of we're all in this together and you know we're we're all going to work together. And you at the moment it felt like it was going to have a profoundly positive impact. I would argue, although we don't want to get too deep into this, that it actually ultimately ended up having a pretty negative effect on us as a as a society. But I'm curious, like, if people can see what can happen if we actually ease up on the environment a little bit, you know, I am hopeful maybe that this can get people thinking, you know what, we don't have to tolerate, we don't have to treat the world like like a trash can and we can actually yeah. maybe live in a place that's a little bit where the air is a little bit clearer and, and it's a healthier place for us to be. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I mean, all, anytime something terrible happens, there's an opportunity for learning and, and sometimes, you know, people don't take that opportunity or, or, you know, don't take any kind of long-term lessons away. But yeah, I mean, this is, um, this whole situation being something that, you know, that none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes, you know, and, and unless you were alive during the 1918 pandemic, you know, you, you've not seen anything like this. So let's see what we can learn from the situation. You know, one is obviously to be better prepared, but I think there are other environmental lessons that we can learn. These little glimpses that we've been given, you know, and people, you know, in some parts of the world are seeing blue skies maybe for the first time, you know, uh, or for the first time in, in many years. So, so yeah, I, I think there are definitely lessons that can come out of this You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Let's talk about that. I think this is a good transition. You you know, you mentioned there's an opportunity for learning, and I think that this is kind of a good transition to your other life which is as senior curator of education for Telfair Museums and what you've been up to, because I know that you, along with several of your colleagues, have been working on putting together a pretty robust online and virtual set of programming to release out to the public. And some of that's already come out and some of it's continuing to evolve. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you've been up to as you've been working remotely for Telfair Museums? Yeah, well, again, I think this has been an interesting time, an interesting challenge, because we focus so much on providing people with great experiences with, you know, art and history in physical locations and with physical objects. And so so it has been a challenge, you know, in, in that respect. But it's also been, you know, given us the freedom to experiment and really try to connect with audiences in, in new ways. And, you know, for me, you know, it's no change in our mission. I mean, I, I think you know, our educational mission remains, whether you know, the physical facility is open or not, um, we can connect people with works of art and give them the tools that they need to, to enjoy those works, to, to, you know, to understand them. And I think what we've done is to, to try to think of different ways that we can help folks, help parents, help teachers during this time, uh, because it's just, a, you know, a lot of parents are tearing their hair out, trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, 
do schoolwork with their kids, you know, right now, and, and teachers trying to figure out how they can continue to engage their students remotely. So, yeah, I mean, different people in the museum have been, have been doing different things, whether it's, you know, articles they've been posting about history or the collections. You know, we have this new content hub called Telfair Today. My team in education, we've been creating various activities for families and for students and really for all ages. So we have, you know, a couple of downloadable and steam step-by-step um, activity uh, sheets that parents can or teachers can download or print if they want to and follow the instructions. We've got a couple of those. We did a, a pop-up book activity. We did a, a seed germination experiment for spring, uh, connecting those back to our images of uh, nature and gardens and the collecting of pressures in that exhibition. You know, we've had events that were canceled that we're, we're trying to still participate in. So, as an example, St. Andrew's School had students working on a, a living painting based on uh, work in our collection. And when that event was canceled, they, just, they had a virtual fine arts event anyway and asked me to, to do a talk for it. And so I recorded a video about that painting that the students were working on and sent that to them, which they then used as part of their online programming. And so that was that was a new a new thing for me, but I was able to record it and edit it at home, and uh, hopefully it's going to be the first of a number of things along those lines that I do. And we've been trying to provide uh, resources as well for the, for the Savannah Chatham County Public Schools, so we've been sending activity sheets to the art teachers uh, that they can use with their students remotely. And this coming Friday, I'll be doing my first uh, Zoom a live training session with the art teachers. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, and I'm going to say this, that for those of you out there listening, Harry is talking about things for kids. But I actually think these look really fun. I mean, some of these, you know, and if you go to telfair.org slash telfair-today-slash-activities, and there is... You know, you mentioned the seed germination experiment, which, you know, just kind of looks like fun, something to do with your kid. But I love this Impressionist pop-up book project that you've got here with the little instructions. I mean, like, I kind of yeah. think that would be fun for adults, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, uh, Rachel Stair, um, our outreach coordinator, came up with that. And uh, she's recording a video, I think, this week of instructions on how to make a never-ending flip book that we can also connect to theme content. But it's something anybody can do, and you can apply it to any kind of... Uh, content that you want to make. So um, I think that's been great. Um, you know, others have been writing uh, posts about, you know, things that they, you can do with your kids at home, like uh, our studio manager has done that, you know, to uh, encourage folks to, to sketch with their kids at home. We have, uh, we're have we keeping in touch with our docents and with our team council. They're having Zoom meetings, and we've been writing. Uh, I've written a couple of articles to kind of continue on some of the themes that I've, that I've explored in the exhibitions that I've curated. So uh, I did one about the bird girl, <laughs> also social distancing right now, uh, connected to a show we have at, at the Telfair Academy. And I started that before you know things really got locked down because I was thinking, well, people could, uh, could go out to Bonaventure and look for certain things. And then I had to change it, you know, when, when really the more uh, direct stay-at-home orders came. So, uh, But then I've, uh, I just finished one that should get posted soon about virtual toilet paper. Ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, there's an artist that I work with for Pulse, and we've shown his work since, Raphael Rosendahl, who's famous for his websites. Um, he's, he's made over, I think it's 115 websites. And uh, we did a show of uh, some of them, I think like six years ago for Pulse. And so uh, one of them is a virtual toilet paper roll. So you can, you can use your, uh, 
your cursor and, and click and drag the toilet paper and roll it all off the roll, but you know, you can you can also roll it back on the roll. So it's sort of a never ending roll of toilet paper. So it's sort of a fun, <laughs> fun diversion. But uh, but he's got a lot of fun websites. Some of them are interactive like that, others are just sort of interesting to look at. Um, others do really, really interesting things to play with the whole idea of web browsing. There's one called abstract browsing, where you know, it basically turns your web searches into uh, abstract compositions. So, um, yeah, so I think uh, there are artists like that who are doing some great work that are sort of fun to explore, sort of, you know, uh, the, the native realm of, of digital art. So that was a fun piece. Uh, so I'll be writing some more art technology pieces along those lines as well. I think this is really fascinating because... And I'm curious to hear what you think, if you agree with me on this, is, and I've been talking with a lot of curators of the various galleries around Savannah, and one of the things that many of them have said is that some of the things that they're doing are things that they imagine will continue and be expanded upon even if things, quote-unquote, get back to normal. And I'm wondering here, you know, as you've been working on this over the last month or so and putting all of this together, and as you've mentioned, you've had to alter some of the things that you've been doing to better suit the current circumstances, what have you learned? I mean, what are you thinking maybe is this is some things that maybe will continue on beyond just this shelter-in-place period? Oh, definitely. Uh, I think, I think the, uh, many of the things that we're doing now will continue on even after you know, this is eventually lifted. You know, for one thing, at the museum, uh, I think, you know, we've long wanted to develop a more robust online engagement of strategies and, and resources um, for folks to use. And uh, and so this has really jump-started that. I mean, I, I think, it, you know, that's, again, kind of a silver lining that's come out of this. And it's a way to show people that, I think, too, we're, you know, we're more than, we're more than just a building uh, or just some paintings, you know. Um, there's this larger, you know, purpose that, that, that we can can uh, fulfill and uh, ways that we can, can continue to engage people and educate virtually. So I think that's been a really positive thing that, you know, we'll continue on after all this, you know, is over. And then for artists, and, you know, I still haven't figured out how to do, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll have a virtual exhibition eventually. It's always best to see the actual, you know, physical objects, but it does make me think about kind of delving into the digital art forms maybe that I haven't really spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about before. So, um, so I think there's some some useful things that can come out of this for artists. You know, artists and galleries are, are going to have to struggle to come up with new models. It's, you know, it's going to be a very difficult time for the arts community as a whole. But hopefully we'll come out of it stronger and, um, you know, and, and it may, I think, radically change the art world, you know, as well as um, artistic practice. So we'll have to see how all of that plays out. Harry DeLorme... Artist, senior curator of education, thank you so much for spending a few minutes talking to me for Art on the Air today. Sure. Thanks so much, Rob. I really appreciate it. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.